Thank you so much. I'm so glad to see you here this morning at church. And today, we've had some fun this morning. Uh, but man, we're going to have more fun now as we open the Word and we just, and just get into what God is, is wanting to speak to us this morning. We're, we're in a series that we started last week called, What He Just Say? And that means, basically, uh, people who heard Jesus teach and speak and say things for the first time, that was oftentimes the reaction. They said, what? What did he just say? They, they couldn't believe what they had just heard. Jesus said some big statements that have changed how people think about the world. Last week, we talked about how it's important for us to store up treasure in heaven and how that's really an important thing for us to consider and think about. If you missed last week, I encourage you, go online, listen to the podcast. It'll kind of catch you up to where we are today. Because this morning we're talking about how Jesus said the words, nothing is impossible. It's a big statement, isn't it? Nothing is impossible. And so my, my, my question, if you start off this morning, is this. What do you think is impossible? Are there things that are impossible to do, whatever? What do you think is impossible? This last week, I posted that question on my Facebook wall, and I had tons of responses. Lots of people weighed in on what they think is impossible. So here is a couple of the responses. There's many. I, I can't get to all of them, but here's a couple of them this morning. One person said, it's impossible for God to make a rock so big that he can't move it. That's pretty deep, isn't it? That's pretty deep. And the next one is, it's impossible to dodge fear. Uh, one mom said, it's impossible for my kids to behave at the grocery store. And as a parent of young kids, I can believe that. I can understand. Hallelujah. I, I believe that one. But uh, someone had said, nothing, uh, this is impossible. It's, it's, it's not hard to believe that God uh, can do anything, that nothing's impossible for God. It's the waiting on God to move that seems impossible. That's really deep, isn't it? Somebody really had a, a good thought there. Uh, someone said, it's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to take a nap, uh, to, to have my kids take a nap to this sound in my basement. And that was Vanessa, uh, who had posted a video of jackhammering in her basement during nap time. Uh, that would be impossible for your kids to take a nap with that. But it's impossible for world peace. Someone said that. Uh, my Michigan friends uh, say it's impossible for the Lions to win a Super Bowl. And to that, we can, we can agree here in Minnesota because lots of people in Minnesota said it's impossible for the Vikings to win a Super Bowl. And I can believe that's very possible that that's going to be impossible. Uh, someone said it's impossible to lick your arm without uh, breaking your arm or licking your elbow without breaking your arm or dislocating your, your shoulder, and that would be pretty hard, isn't it? It's impossible to, to lick your elbow. Um, one person said it's impossible to win the mega lottery when I don't play the mega lottery. That's pretty is impossible. Uh, a single friend of mine said it's impossible to understand women. And to that, we all guys said yes, but we said it quietly because we don't want our wives to elbow us. Uh, it's impossible to change someone's mind if they don't want to or they don't know it needs to be changed. That is pretty impossible. I agree with that. Uh, it's impossible to have a moment of quiet in my house. 
Uh, one guy said it's impossible when thinking about cupcakes to not think about cupcakes, right? Now you're all thinking about cupcakes. So lastly, it's impossible to give a sermon about anything impossible. That's probably my favorite one because it is pretty true. It's impossible to give a sermon about anything impossible, Now, Webster calls impossible this. It says, it's something that's incapable of being or occurring. That's what impossible is. So if those things are impossible, we have to ask the next question today. Is it possible to change impossible to possible? Can something that was once thought impossible become possible? Possible. It's a tough question, isn't it? But you'd have to agree that the answer is an unequivocal yes. That it is possible for something to become, to go from impossible to possible. Here's a a few examples. A couple times a year, I get in with 400 of my closest friends. I get in a large metal tube. In that metal tube, I sit in a seat where they serve uh, coffee and stale pretzels. And, and I sit there with 400 of my friends as two guys uh, locked away in the front in a vault, take us up 25,000 feet in the air and travel across the country or across oceans at 400 miles an hour. 150 years ago, that would have been impossible. So impossible has become possible. It's impossible for cars to park themselves. That probably would have been a thought years ago, right? How would that ever happen? How could a car park itself? Well, nowadays, that's not just possible. It happens, and you could even get a car that can drive itself. So next time that you come up to a a, a stoplight and the guy next to you uh, cuts you off and you look over and and it's a computer... Uh, well, that's, you can blame the computer on that, but uh, it's possible. Uh, fridges that order food for you. Now, that has to be impossible, right? I mean, how could a fridge order your food? Well, for me, it's impossible. My GE can't order food, but if you have a $3,400 Samsung family hub, uh, that's not just possible, it happens, The fridge itself can look inside of itself and can see if you need some staples like milk or bread or eggs or cheese or whatever, and that fridge can contact Amazon and can have that food delivered to your home without you even lifting a finger. Some of you guys are on your phone right now like, I'm going to get one of those things. That's pretty cool. You know, so impossible once, yes, but now not just possible, but happening. There's many things that were once thought possible, that are now possible. Now, I got a confession this morning. I don't like the word impossible. When I hear the word impossible, oftentimes I think of a challenge. When someone says that's impossible, I think, let's try it, let's do it. And sometimes that works out well, sometimes that does not work out so well, but I don't like that word very much. But whether I like it or not, there are some things that are impossible for us to do on our own. It's impossible to overcome deep hurt on your own. The the, the saying that says, time heals all wounds is not true. Time does not heal all wounds. It's impossible to overcome deep hurt by yourself. It's impossible to avoid growing older. I think about this when I look in the mirror and I see lots of gray hair and I see hair, I see no hair where hair used to be 
And when I get up in the morning and I get out of bed and my joints ache and some things are a little tight that weren't even a year or two ago, I think it's impossible to avoid getting older. It's impossible for us to forgive our own sins. It's impossible for you to make your own way to heaven without help. It's impossible for you to heal yourself. Truth this morning is this. It's good to recognize what's impossible for you to do alone. Because there's a lot of things in life, there's a lot of things that we walk through and we work through and struggle through that we try to do by ourselves because we think it's possible by ourselves, don't we? When you think it's impossible by yourself, you, you try and you work and you sweat on your own ability, on your own strength, on your own str- song, on all of your own abilities. You work yourselves and you find it that's not possible. It causes us to have to increase our reliance on God. If you would, say, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to look today at a few scriptures and a, a few stories about places where these words were spoken about or by Jesus that talk about the, this thing. And we're going to see today what Jesus thinks about impossible. Luke chapter 1. Now, this is a Christmas story, yes. It's almost May. That means it's Christmas in May. My wife's rubbing off on me. And so, uh, that's, you know, so it's okay to read the story in, in May. Uh, so here we go. And now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. In the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. After coming in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. And that's a nice way of saying she was a little bit scared. And, and she was considering what was going on here. And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Now, being a parent's a little frightening, isn't it? You think back to what, before you had your first kid, it's a little frightening, right? You think, man, you know, am I going to be able to provide for him or her? Is it going to turn out well? Are they going to turn into some, you know, are we going to be, you know, going to like me when they get old? I mean, what's going to happen? It's a little bit frightening when you have kids. Imagine having that child be the son of God. You know, you can't mess up, right? You know, if you're a perfect parent here, your kids know how imperfect you are, Right? So imagine that little, you know, angel that you're um, upset with and you don't do things perfectly with is the Son of God, is Jesus. That'd be pretty tough, wouldn't it? You know, like, you imagine, you know, correcting Jesus, he, you know. Anyway, but uh, that's, that's beside the point. Mary had some questions. God isn't afraid of our questions. You gotta, gotta hear that today. God is not afraid of our questions. And when it comes to this subject, that nothing is impossible for God, Mary has questions, as do many of us, where she says, Mary said to the angel, how can this be? I'm a virgin. I don't know a man. And the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, is also conceived in her old age. She was thought to be barren, but now she's in her sixth month. And, and, and the question comes again, how can this happen? 
Mary says, I'm a virgin. Look, she looks at her relative who's older and, and who is barren, who has probably been told she'll never have children. And now this very same lady has a six-month-old uh, pregnancy. How is it possible? Well, repeat with me today. For with God, nothing will be impossible. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Now, I want you to think about that statement for a moment today. Because I would venture to guess that a lot of us in this room today would probably say, yes, with God, nothing is impossible. You would, when somebody says, is it possible, your immediate reaction is, yes, it's possible. With God, nothing's impossible. And so we would easily express that, easily say that, and we'd be right. Nothing's impossible. Now, if you're here today and you're maybe not that way, that's great. I'm glad you're here this morning. And you are skeptical. And you would say, I don't agree with that. There are some things that are impossible. There are some things that a Christian, you can say, it's possible all you want, but it's just not possible. And, and I'll believe it when I see it. Some of us are, are secretly skeptical. On the outside, we say it's all possible. But on the inside, when God calls us, is something challenging, or God expresses something challenging or difficult or tough, we bring out the excuse machine, don't we, right? We say, well, God, you want me to preach? You want me to teach? Well, that's possible, but God, I don't really know if it's really, you know. So we start to bring up all of these excuses and reasons why it can't happen. I'll believe it when I see it. We have an interesting relationship with that concept as Christians, don't we? We believe it on one hand, but yet sometimes we struggle with it. And I love Mary's reply here to this, to this question. I love Mary's response here when she says, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your words. We, we, we know this intellectually sometimes. I know this intellectually. When I'm faced with an impossible decision, my immediate reaction is intellectually, I know that I know that I know that nothing is impossible with God. Yet, I think sometimes that though we know this intellectually, we fail to struggle with this ideal situationally. Let me explain that for a minute. Nothing's impossible with God, but you haven't met my wife, or you haven't met my husband. They are impossible, right? Times we heard that. You know, nothing's impossible with God, but you haven't met my kids. They will not be good in the grocery store or whatever it might be. You know, it's impossible. Nothing's impossible with God, but you haven't met my checkbook yet, or you haven't met my doctor yet, or my life, or my situation. And I've prayed about it, so I've brought it to God, and nothing seems to be, to be different. And so, though, though intellectually we are okay with the fact that nothing's impossible with God, situationally we struggle with this. And I think we do because, frankly, there are some things that are impossible, I could believe all I want that my elbow will somehow magically turn around and I can lick it, right? I could believe that. I could hope for it. I could trust for it. Probably not going to happen, right? So what happens often is we take those kinds of situations and moments and we situationally make excuses for why this is not true across the boards. Nothing is impossible with God. And that's why I love Jesus' story. Because from day one of Jesus' life, 
His study, or his life is a study in the impossible made possible by God. Fast forward 30 years to Matthew chapter 19, and we'll find Jesus has an interaction here with a rich young man. He's wealthy. Maybe he's good looking. I don't know. He's a ruler. He probably has everything you, you would wish you would have. He's probably uh, well-respected. He's, he's probably loved. I mean, he could probably have whatever he wants. And so if somebody were to say, hey, you know, Joe or whatever his name was, we don't know his name, but if they were to say to his name and say, hey, is this possible? His answer might be yes. But his answer wouldn't be yes because God could do this. His answer would be yes because I am talented, I am wealthy, I am I'm a leader, I have all of these, I have power, I have authority, I have all of these things that nobody else has. So yes, it's possible because I am pretty great. So you've got to realize for the context of this scripture, and so Jesus understands this, Jesus looks to him and says, well, there's one thing you still lack. You need to give all you have to the poor and come follow me. Now, we oftentimes hear this passage taught and think, well, if I don't give everything I have to the poor, then I'm not following God's will. Listen to our message last week. We'll get, we got to that a, a little bit. But, but, but the, the issue is we, we fail to see what's, what's happening in this passage because we don't read the full context. And we don't, we miss something incredible here. This man was willing to exchange his security for obedience because that's where his life was found. It was found in what he had and what he did and all these things. And so when Jesus asked him to exchange that for obedience, he just couldn't do it. And the Bible says he walked away sad. One of the saddest parts where he is interacting with Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the, the Savior, the one sent to the earth for just this purpose, he's talking with him, he gives him the answer, and he walks away sad. And the disciples see this, and they're confused, and so we'll pick it up here in, in verse 23, and Jesus said to his disciples, assuredly, I say to you that it's hard, everyone say hard, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the king, kingdom of God. And so when Jesus said this, his disciples are like, what did he just say? Because they heard that, they said, they were astonished. They said, well, then who can be saved? You get what's happening here. Here's a man who was wealthy, who was powerful, who had all of every want and, and needed and could want. And is it possible? Yes, it is. I got the money for it to... Get, get, get rid of that. He, he couldn't. And so the disciples are face to face with an impossible situation. Because the guy himself said, no way. I can't do that. It's too hard. It's too much for me. I can't exchange that for that. I just can't do that. And so they were confused by this. And Jesus said to them, he said, with men, this is what? It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With human effort, it's impossible to change a heart. With human effort, it's impossible to change a heart like this. Sometimes when it comes to other people, we easily say it can't be done, don't we? When it comes to other people around us, we think, well, God, you can do a lot of things, but you can't save my son or my daughter or my dad or my mom or my grandpa or my grandma or my neighbor or whatever else because their heart's just too hard. 
And so often we kind of write them off and say, well, we can't make anyone do anything. We have very good sounding reasoning behind it because it's true. You can't make anybody do anything. But that's why this passage is so great. Because with God, all things are possible. A third time, he, we see this is in Mark chapter 9. Then one of the crowd answered and said, Jesus, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, foams in the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I spoke to your disciples and they couldn't cast it out. I tried that they, 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 they should cast it out, but, but they couldn't do it. Here's this man who has a son who was demon-possessed. And this is not just your run-of-the-mill demon possession, obviously. This is big time. This guy, this kid is suffering. It's difficult. This man has tried everything, and that includes spiritual things. He brought him to the disciples, and they couldn't do one thing. And Jesus answered and said, faithless generation. That's an important part here. We can understand that this message, this moment, this instance here is for all of us to listen up and say, there's something here where I have to get. This wasn't just done to this man. It was done to all of us. How long shall I be with you? How long will I bear with you? Bring the son to me. They brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. He fell on the ground, wallowed, foaming at the mouth. And so this Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And the father said, from childhood. Now imagine what's going on here. This dad is tired. Since childhood, he has suffered with this. Since childhood, this has been a thing in his family. They go for a walk down the street, and they're, they're walking past the pond. They don't know, and this isn't just a conjecture. It says in the scriptures, he would throw him into the water, or they have a, a, a fire in the backyard, you know, roast some marshmallows, and you don't know that kid's going to throw himself in the fire. Can you imagine a whole lifetime of that? Now, if that's me, I'm tired by now. That's what's happening in this, this situation. He's tired. He's tried everything. You read the chapter, and that becomes very, very evident. And, and I think we can relate to this more than we think that we can relate to this, right? Maybe for you, it's not this, but it's depression. You are depressed, and you have tried everything. You've tried medicine. You've tried doctors. You've tried counseling. You've tried mind over matter. You've tried all this stuff, and, and yet still, it's still there. And maybe it goes for a year or two, or maybe three, or but it comes back because it's there. And when it comes back, you're tired and you don't want to deal with it anymore and it's just finished. And you come to the place in your life where you say, man, maybe this just isn't possible. Or it's an addiction. You've been addicted and you've been addicted. You've been addicted for all of your life and you have seen this and you have fought this addiction and it's been difficult for you and you want to break away and you do for a little bit but yet you find yourself coming back and you're tired. Or it's, there's too much money at the end of the, much month at the end of the money. You know, or it's your doctor report. You insert your situation. You know how it works. There's something in your life, there's something that you're holding on to that you say, I'm just tired of this. This is what this man saw right here. This is what was happening here. And, and, and you're ready to, to, to say, forget it. And maybe at first there was great faith. And now you are just tired and you're ready to give up. And Jesus says this to him and he continues. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible. 
to him who believes. Now, in any other, anyone else's mouth, that's a pretty terrible statement, isn't it? Because you're this man, you've tried everything, including spiritual things. If you can believe, all things are possible. What kind of a, a statement is that? It's not very loving. It's not very benevolent. It's pretty, it's, pretty, it's pretty in your face, isn't it? Jesus says all things are possible. And I love the response. If. Can Jesus do this? No if about it. But then the dad gives what I think is one of the, my favorite responses in all the scriptures when he says immediately the father of the child cried out in tears and said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You see with this father, you see faith and you see doubt both present with this, with this man. He is struggling with both of these two things. This is not a powerful pillar of the faith. This guy is not writing faith books. He's not throwing his jacket at people and, you know, he, he's not doing those kind of things. This, he's not, you know, on TV preaching about faith. This is an average guy who struggles with faith, fear, and doubt just like you and me. And Jesus responds right after this guy confesses this mixture of faith and doubt. Jesus responds and heals his son, period. I'd make a bigger period, I would, but because that's what happens. He responds this way and Jesus says, healed, and it's finished. You know, sometimes we feel pressure, don't we? You're a believer, you feel pressure if something's happening in your life. And you're like, well, if I only had more faith, if I just worked a little harder and I had a little more faith, if I could just kind of get my mind above this faith thing, I could just, oh, I could just really believe a little, a little more, then maybe I wouldn't struggle anymore. Man, admit it today. You thought that, haven't you? All of us have. If only I'd work a little harder, try a little more, put a little more effort into it, then maybe this might happen. Man, we've done that before, haven't we? I think that's, that's rooted in, 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 in mysticism and it's rooted in this strange kind of weirdness that says I have to have mind over matter. It's not scriptural or spiritual or Christian at all. It is just plain old a lie. Because your faith is not the biggest issue in this situation. The biggest situ situation, the biggest X factor here is not your big faith. The X factor here is Jesus. Period. Jesus is the X factor. Jesus is what's the, what does this. You see, all it took was one touch from Jesus. All things are possible to him who believes. What does that mean? See, some of us have responded to that negatively. Oh, we've worked and tried and worked and tried, but man, you've got to realize what Jesus said, the faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. Jesus says it's not the work and not the quantity. It's not the you work harder, 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 have more and more faith. No, it is if faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains, then there's something we have to understand here that Jesus shows us that you need more than working up faith. You need a touch from Jesus, period. You need a touch from him. And this, this is what we struggle because we face it, we face it, we face it, we, we face it, we, we face it again, and we try it again. And what happens is we, we redefine what's possible for God to do. 
Because over time and over effort and over all these things, we, we, we define possible in a way that God does not define possible. I, I want you to take in your hand this morning something. I want you to think about the thing that's in your life that you might have right now that is a big deal that seems impossible, that seems difficult, that seems tough. I want you to take that in your hand right now, and I want you to allow these truths this morning to be measured against that. Luke chapter 1, with God, nothing will be impossible. Matthew 19, with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Mark 19, everything is possible for him who believes. Jesus makes the impossible possible. As the band comes this morning, you might be saying right now, as I would be if I was in your shoes, Pastor Steve, it doesn't always work like that. It doesn't always happen like this. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's tough. I can believe and believe and believe and believe, but it doesn't always happen like this. It would be great if it did it. It doesn't, but that's not the point this morning because we have to understand something deeper right here, that God has a deeper, higher, better, stronger worldview than we do. And I know that seems to be an easy way out, but it's not because, and I'll illustrate with, with my, my family, my girls, I love them, I want them to grow up big and strong and, and such, but if it, they had their way, they would have bre- candy and chocolate for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snack 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They would love that. So would you, right? They would love to do that. And, and so they could believe all they want that someday daddy is going to cave and daddy's going to give them whatever they want. Now, they can believe that, but guess what? If I cave and I do that, I'm no longer a very good daddy, am I? I know I've gone from good daddy to not so good daddy because I've caved to what they want. Just because we want God to do something doesn't mean it's the right thing. And the problem is, is that sometimes the things that we want are very good things. Chocolate is a very good thing. Peeps, marshmallows are a very good thing. There's lots of things that are very, very good, but our, 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 what we mess up on here, we miss up on here, we get tripped up on is, is trust. As you bow your heads and close your eyes today, as we think about this next portion, trust can pull us out of redefining possible and align it with what Jesus continually modeled and taught about impossible versus possible. At the end of our text in Mark 19, I left it off on purpose for this moment because I want you to hear this because because these, these guys were saying, why couldn't we do this? And Jesus said this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. These are two things that connect you with God's. I wonder if sometimes our struggles with this stuff is because we are disconnected from God. Now, I don't mean we're not praying about it, okay? I don't mean that. You have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. I know that you have. You say, I can't pray anymore. And you're probably right. But here's the difference this morning is that you've also, you've also need to get deeper than even just asking. You need to be connected to him and hear his voice and listen to what he says. And that comes by submitting yourself under his authority. 
It comes when we come to the altars and we pour these things out and we drop your impossible at the feet who makes all things possible. It is possible that that very thing that you want with all of your heart is not the best thing for you. It's very possible that the time is just not there yet. It's very possible that, yes, you need to, to, to stay strong and stay true and to continue to trust him and believe him because he's got something there for you to know. But the understanding of those things, the walking through those things, comes when we trust the one who we, who we believe in. You do that by prayer and fasting. And, and isn't it like the enemy to take the very things that could draw us closer to him and use those to drive us away? And that happens when our situation defines. And, and hear this today. That happens when our situation defines what's possible with God and not him. As we close today, I'm not okay with that faulty worldview running my life. And I say that today not as just a preacher. I say it today because I've got a thing in my hand that is pretty impossible. And I want it with all my heart. And the other night I went to a service and I, I went down to the altar and I wept before God and said, God, this is impossible. And I'm preaching on this this week. <laughs> it's impossible, Lord. I will not let that faulty worldview that my situation determines my belief in God, I will not let it happen. Because my God is bigger. Because my God is greater. Zechariah 4, 6 says, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. I will take the impossible situation, and I will not allow it to dictate my view of God, but I will take my impossible situation, and I will put it under his authority. I will drop it at his feet, at the only one who since the beginning of time has made the impossible possible. Amen? I'm not okay with that happening in my life. And I hope that you're not either this morning. My, my situation will not, not define that. And, and, and I get this better. I just do. And you do too. When we're connected to him, we hear his voice. Now for some of you this morning, you don't need more knowledge. You need a touch from Jesus. Frank, that's it. You need, you're like this man, this dad, this father who had this situation, and you need a touch from Jesus. Why don't you stand across this room this morning? You've tried, you've worked, you're tired, you've effort, you've all, all these things. You don't need more knowledge, you just need a touch from him this morning. Please know this morning that scripture is clear. The fact that God is been taking impossible situations, making them possible since the beginning of time. And you need a touch from him today. And in your heart right now, there's a fight, there's a war happening because you have said, God, I've tried this, I've tried praying, I've tried this before, and you sound just like this dad. And I want you to know today, don't be condemned by that. God understands he's there. Don't be condemned by those things, but don't walk away without allowing him to touch you. Don't allow that situation to drive a, a, a disconnection between you and God. It will if you don't change that. Your part 
Your place in this is to say, God, I take this thing and I drop it at your feet. And then when it doesn't happen, God, I take this thing and I drop it at your feet. Oh, it didn't happen yet. God, I take this thing and I come and I pray and I fast and I seek your face and I'm connected to you. I can listen to your voice. You guessed it. I drop it at your feet. That's some of you guys this morning. Others here this morning. You need a fresh revelation of this in your life. You may not have a big, audacious, awfully, awful thing right now that's just this big, terrible thing. You don't have that right now, but you need a fresh revelation. You may not have that because you have somehow on the way walked away from trusting God for big, fat, hairy, audacious dreams. Because you've said, God can't do that anyway, so I'm not going to trust him for it anymore. And you need a fresh revelation of this in your life. You just need to touch him, Jesus, or you need him to reveal this deep truth in your life as he does, as he's done in mine this week. If you are in any of those boats today, I want to call you to come and spend time with Jesus. Yes, I'm calling you to the altar. I believe the altar is a place in which God can work and minister and move. Can he work in your seat? Absolutely. But there's something that happens when we change our real estate. We respond with a moving forward and saying, God, I take this and I put it at your feet. So if that's you today, come. Come on down. You may be a wonderful, godly individual. Coming to the altar does not mean that you are this not that way. It's actually quite the opposite. You're coming to admit this. God, I can't do this by myself. I'll be honest this morning with you. On the other nights, I stood at the altar as well. And I wept. And I cried. And I sought God's face. And I said, God, this is literally impossible. But I'm reminded by the fact that, God, with you, all things are possible. You've been making the impossible possible since day one. Jesus, I pray for both groups of people in this room this morning. Lord, for those that just need a touch. If you see a friend up here this morning that, that just, come on, feel free to come and just lay your hand on their shoulder and, and pray for them this morning. Maybe you're here still and you still haven't responded yet. I, the, the altar is open. There's no substitute. There's no mind, there's no knowledge substitute for what Jesus can do in your heart in an instant. Don't walk out today and listen. Let it, the chance go by. Allow him to do it here. Jesus, we know you are the God of the impossible. You have been taking things that are impossible making them possible since day one. Thank you. Thank you for that truth that, Lord, we see over and over again in Scripture. But, Lord, some of us need a touch from you this morning. There are blind eyes to be opened. There are checkbooks that, Lord, need an infusion. Lord, there is wisdom that, God, there's minds that need wisdom. Lord, there's hearts that need to be encouraged. Jesus, there are, there are, are, there are things that are body parts that need to be healed. 
Lord Jesus, there are lost people that need to be found. And there is no reason on the earth why they should be. They have done everything in their power to run from you. You are the God of the impossible. I'm sorry. I choose to believe a God that is, can do the impossible things. If you're here today and you say, I don't have that kind of faith anymore, I want you to consider maybe somewhere along the line, something's happened in your heart that has caused you to no longer believe God for the impossible. Thank you, sweetie. God didn't move, you did. You come down to him again. And will you ask him today for a fresh revelation of that? As you close today, will you ask him once again, Jesus, I need a fresh revelation of that. Let's not leave this place today, this holy place, this moment this morning without being challenged and being touched by Jesus.